Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's of Hollywood Breaks. I'm Tim Thompson. It's good to be with you this week. And here's my partner in crime, Keith Rao. Keith, welcome to the show this week and introduce Hi, us yeah. to your, your guest. Oh, yes. Happy to do so. Um, so I'm really excited to have our first guest here on Hollywood Breaks. And it's a very good friend and colleague of mine, Robin Geisen. Um, we have known each other for I don't know, almost a decade, probably beyond that. Um, we kind of grew up in the business together, started in film development, both found our way into marketing. Um, Robin's most recent gig is a, is a marketing exec at uh, CAA. And for most of you probably know those three letters quite well. Um, welcome, Robin. So happy to have you with us today. Hello, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Um, yep, we're really happy to have you. Um, so I'm just gonna kick it off real quick. So. Uh, uh, you're much better at explaining your um, your job than I am. So why don't you give our, our viewers a quick rundown of what exactly it is you do and how you help out in the wonderful world of marketing? You know, you're not the only one who who thinks that. Um, I, I think there's always confusion. I always feel like I have to explain it um, to anyone and everyone. Um, I think the easiest way to explain what it is that I do is to think of me like a marketing consultant in any and all areas of marketing and distribution. Um, and that can be anything from uh, helping with a publicity campaign to identifying release dates in the calendar to, you know, I hate my trailer. Please help me fix it. So <laughs> I dive into the creative. I've heard that a few times. <laughs> I mean, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, that tends to be a usual one that I do. Um, but it's everything. And we, I'll follow the campaign um, sometimes before it gets greenlit to all the way through uh, the release window for a theatrical. But we've also recently moved into um, streaming as well as you'd have to. So um, that's kind of the quick top line of my job, if that makes sense. So, so Robin, who hires you to do that? Where do you have that role in the industry? Um, so, you know, it's actually the agencies. Um, okay. William Morris has one now. Uh, CAA has one. I do not believe that UTA has one. They had a research guy for a while, but I don't think he uh, did. He was more of a research person who would uh, analyze data from what I understand. Um, but employed by the agency, a service department for our clients. And, oh. um, and, and I would work with any of the clients in helping to be a liaison for them for their projects uh, between themselves and the studio. That sounds like such a fun job. How, how did you get that job? Uh, it, was, it was something that I actually didn't even know about either at the time. Um, I was uh. working at Fox uh, with Keith at the time. And again, the role that I had at uh, Fox was very much a generalist kind of position. So I was able to see into any and all areas and, of marketing and um, understand how all the different disciplines work, which enabled me to be able to be a great candidate for this opportunity. And someone recommended me to um, CAA and the rest is history. It all comes back to Fox, Keith. It all comes back to Fox. I think this is what we're... <laughs> <laughs> all roads lead back to Fox. That's definitely true. <laughs> yeah, for it's sure. very true. I find that to be very true throughout uh, my career as well yes. from everyone that I work with. Yeah. Um, so Keith and I were talking ahead of time and we were um, really thinking of you as like th this analyst job that you have. There must be some method that you use or some practice that you put in place because every film is different so you know what if you thought of the core elements of of the an analysis that you do what are those core elements that you process um, when you're solving the problems you solve 
Yeah, I mean, every, every film is different, as you said. And, um, you know, I, I think it comes back to, I kind of go back to the beginning and go back to the roots of marketing. It's marketing 101, if you will, where it's about audience, first and foremost. And um, it should be thought about uh, from the very beginning, from even when you're greenlighting the movie, is who's my audience? Who's going to see this? Who is this for? So that you know how much money you're putting into this campaign. Um, you know, who, how, who should we cast in these roles? It is really something that you should be thinking about from the very beginning all the way to the very end. So to me, first and foremost, it's about audience. Um, it's about then finding that audience and becoming an event for that audience, um, which is, you know, getting harder and harder, as we know. Um, with the marketplace yeah. as it changes tremendously. And that's part of it too, is what are the challenges that I'm going to face um, and how do I solve those? Um, and, and every movie ha has its own heartbeat and has its own soul. And for me, it's about how do I show that soul to my potential audience? How do I get them to see what's so special about this movie? Because every movie really does have an audience. Every movie sure. does. But it's about... Sometimes it's gigantic and sometimes it's a teeny tiny audience and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but you have to adjust your campaign accordingly to make sure that you're tailoring it for that audience. It's interesting because uh, what you're basically saying too in, in a nutshell is it's not always about the money or always about the biggest blockbuster, or always about the Oscar. Like every, every piece of content has an audience is the reality of even why you make the content to begin with and where, where those channels are and that audience is, is, is really just playing out that initial why behind your content. Yes, 100%. Um, well, one of the things that Keith reminds us of on a week by week basis is like just how crazy the world now is. Like we're, we're uh, really diving into some very unique situations within the Hollywood industry right now. Um, the latest and greatest is this move of uh, filmmakers that are asking Congress to bail them out. Keith, why don't you kind of like give us some of these issues that we have and see how we'll put Robin's brain at work with yours and my brain this week to see what we can uh, untie here for our yeah, audience. Absolutely. Um, so uh, for those of the viewers who don't know, uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, a letter was sent to the heads of the uh, both branches of Congress essentially requesting money to help save the theatrical experience in the US. Um, it was signed by some pretty big names, um, legendary new, new, new directors, age-old directors, um, all basically pleading for a lifeline to save the industry. And the thing that was most startling for me was the statistics that they gave about how many theaters, unless they get some sort of financial bailout, <clears throat> Um, are going to go under. And um, I think it's definitely a moment for the industry to sort of step back and say, wow, this is real now. Um, and, you know, one of the things I've been saying over the course of the last few weeks um, is that this, this whole pandemic has brought a lot of issues that have been set, you know, on the sort of bubbling underneath the surface of the industry for the last five to 10 years that I think a lot of people like, oh, we'll figure that out. We'll solve, we'll, we'll find the time to figure it out. And now all of a sudden, all those issues are present. And, um, you know, from my perspective, I think, you know, the biggest challenge right now, and Robin, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, is that it doesn't feel like the industry in general, maybe even the exhibitors themselves, don't seem to be 
saying to the audience, we want you to come back, come back. Here are the things we're doing to make you feel safe again. It seems to me that all they're doing is saying, well, we've got Bond coming, that'll bring them back. And it doesn't feel like they're in any way, shape or form saying, wait a minute, it's been almost six months now since this whole pandemic started. It doesn't look like it's gonna sort of let up and with the news today or last night that the president now has it. It really sort of hits down to the fact that this thing is not going away anytime soon. And how are we gonna get people back into theaters if all we're relying on is them to just come back when they've gotten used to living without the theatrical experience. They've gotten used yeah. to the Netflix. So, you know, I think that's sort of like the bigger, bigger issue here. And I, I mean, listen, I don't know what you're hearing, Robin, but a lot of what I'm hearing seems to be that that doesn't seem to be a realization just yet. And this letter to me says, they're like, well, we need money from, I mean, I think it's the height of Congress that you have all these multimillionaires sending a letter to Congress basically saying, save our industry, because I don't have the money. <laughs> And I think that to me is a little bit disconnecting, especially what's happening. But uh, Robin, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on what's happening, what you're, what you're hearing on your end. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack with this. Um, as far as the letter goes, I think there's a couple of things, you know, the pros and cons of the letter. I think the pros you, you touched on and that, you know, the data that we saw is, is kind of staggering. And I think it's NATO really putting themselves out there and, and showing their vulnerabilities, which I think is brave and, yep. and necessary for people to see. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, I, I want to take a step back. And this is not the only industry that is going through this. And think about how many letters every industry, you know, how many letters Congress is getting from every single industry, from airlines yeah. to travel to, I mean, you know, we have to take a step back and realize, like, the world doesn't revolve around Hollywood, and, um, you know. That's a tall it, order. Wait, yeah. hold on, Robin. <laughs> Slow down. I know no one wants to hear that. That's no really way. Funny. That's not true. <laughs> Throw it on um, the ground. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it is, it is part of the reality. And now the second part of that, and, and, you know, you touched on this too with theaters is like, you know, exhibition, the responsibility that exhibition has, and, and it's a tall order because there's no one size fits all as it relates to every, every theater is different, right? And every theater really does kind of have its, has, has to have its own uh, set of solutions as it relates to to how they're going to make the public feel safe. What NATO has failed to do, in my opinion, is um, if people don't feel safe, they are not going to come. And you can't expect people to think, oh, I feel safe now with this 10 minute long video that you've posted on your Facebook saying, we're going to make you feel safe. Like that's, I think what we're in entertainment after all. And so I think we need to take a step back and really use what we're really good at. And that's the creative and find creative ways at reaching our audience and making them feel, to make them feel safe again. And that's, you know, some of the ideas that I've thrown out to people before was, one of them was, I keep using this example, which is Deadpool. You know, um, have Deadpool come out and do a PSA on wash your hands, you dirty little hamster. It'd be super funny, but it's also really relevant and reminds you why you love the movies to begin with. And, and you know, brings you back to the creative that kind of, you know, people go to the movies for an escape from the world and we need one right now. We've never yeah. needed, a bigger escape than we do right now. Um, the problem is 
is, you know, we're getting those movies. We're still consuming entertainment, uh, you know, every day, but we're getting them in the safety of our homes. And so you really have to, we have to, exhibition has to take on the responsibility, um, but they're not, they don't have any marketers there to be creative. So that's the hard part too. And the other hard part is who's going to pay for it. So, yeah, so when you create So Robin, what's the, so when you think about the big picture kind of issue that we're talking about, one is I have a feeling to, to the point that you're making is, in a way, the three of us are a little bit lamenting the film industry that we grew up with, what exhibition meant, what these big blockbusters meant, what, what, we, what, what our exposure was. And the reality is that the evolution has been happening for years, that people are consuming big theatrical events on a screen that is, you know, four, four inches by three inches or whatever. Like, it's not the, – the, the world has to change in how we're consuming this content anyways. So I love, the, I love your idea and suggestion of, like, in the entertainment industry, which is what we really are, can we stay relevant and entertain people regardless of what the exhibition strategies are? I, I get that. And, and I think that's a great challenge for a lot of content makers. But um, mm -hmm. to me, like the issue that we're, that we're, that Hollywood is kind of tackling and this idea of what these theatrical exhibi exhibitors are trying to really accomplish, I feel like it's synchronization is the problem. Like they really don't have a universal strategy to bring them together possibly because for years they've been in competition only and they haven't really tried that. Um, but that's a, that's a really kind of interesting challenge to take on. And I, I wonder if this isn't just an evolution of the studio takeover of exhibition, because that will allow for some of these larger strategies to play out and not let all the ex separate exhibitors, you know, run out different strategies. Well, that's part of it, I think, you know, and I think a big part of it is that all the studios, you know, each individual studio is focused on their individual goals, you know, and they're focused on the industry as a whole, certainly, and they're worried about it. But, you know, those people at the end of the day are getting hired to release a specific movie for their specific studio. And you've got antitrust issues um, of getting all these studios to work together with exhibition and, and put together, um, you know, some sort of campaign. So there's a lot that that goes into that. But I do think that, you know, we, we complicate it the more that we start thinking about that. And I think that now we've gotten into this place um, in this, you know, in the problem that we're in because the effort is paralyzed. It's become paralysis by analysis yeah. and nothing's happening. And yeah. we could have done a lot more, a lot earlier, um, you know, and a lot of it is who pays for it, who does this. And I think at, at some point, you know, if we are really in the dire, you know, times that we're talking about, then pull, roll up your sleeves and just do it. And if it really does matter, then, you know, someone needs to step up to the plate and be a leader here. Um, because it's this paralysis by analysis has seized up the entire industry because of a lack of ability to get out a general message. And Okay, and but hard. you say that, and we introduced you as an analyst at the very beginning. So are you the one creating the paralysis in this analysis here? Or, or no, I'm just kidding you, obviously. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I I don't, no paralysis yeah. over here. Thank God. I can tell you many a time, Robin and I have had conversations where we would always started like, if we were running things, if we were in charge, this is what we would do. And I think... You know, listen, I, I, that has always been my challenge with the business in general is sort of this idea that everyone sort of wants to do what's been done in the past and just continue doing what's been done in the past because it's been working to some extent. 
But to your point, Robin, it really has gotten to the point, as I said, that a lot of things that have been bubbling under the surface for so many years are coming up. And one of them is the idea that the industry is so slow to react. And, you know, they had the case study with Napster and the music industry when Netflix came along. Mm -hmm. Instead of being like, well, wait a minute, maybe we should really look at this. And they, they sort of did. And they said, okay, we'll play nice with Netflix. We won't be mean like the music industry was with Napster. And then all of a sudden, nobody thought, it was like, wait a minute, should maybe we start this ourselves? <laughs> yeah. The technology instead of selling everything to Netflix and giving them all yeah. this money and subscribers. And so I think you're right. It does seem to be a lot of this sort of analysis. Like, what are we going to, I don't know what to do. I'm like, eh. and they're all like, well, what if I lose my job? And, and I think at this point, it's like, uh, well, yeah. we're looking at an industry sort of on the verge of a, like yeah. a semi collapse almost. Yeah, the theatrical experience. And I think your point is well taken. Um, there was one spot, I think it was, it was on a website. I, I, we talked about it a few weeks ago and on the podcast, it was called I Love Cinema. And I, I sort of gave, I gave them the business in terms of how lame their, their, their sizzle reel was. It was a beautiful sizzle, but it's just showing people watching movies. It's not like, it's not anything that's gonna be, oh yeah, that's what I want. Whereas your point about Deadpool, I think is spot on. Like, why aren't they making it fun? But I will say this, the fact that last, was two weeks ago, Jimmy Kimmel came out in the beginning of the Emmys and said, listen, we all realize this is not that important, but you know what? It's fun. And we need to have a little fun right now. And I think the yeah. fact that that was said is a huge step in the right direction. They're finally realizing enough with the pretension Enough with this whole, we're better than everybody else, talking down to everybody. We're entertainers. We yeah. need to entertain and remind people how much fun you can have watching an award show, how much fun and how, you know, what an experience going to a movie with other people can be. And I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely right. I mean, and it's not just one piece of creative. It's an entire campaign. I mean, I look at this, I'm looking at this the way I look at a movie and from start to finish. And we need to have an entire cohesive campaign from publicity efforts to media efforts to what does that creative look like? Um, not only in AV, what does it look like in print? You know, like there's fun ideas and you're gonna have to go after, because, because audiences, you know, people, moviegoers are all audiences. So you're really gonna have to do different pieces of creative. Like the Deadpool piece isn't really gonna work for an audience that's 55 plus. Like, so go for stuff that works for them, whether it's Wizard of Oz, come out, come out wherever you are. Or, um, you know, I had an idea of, just because I love Airplane, um, but uh, <laughs> like, and you know, no. I'm dating myself, of course, but it's so good. And, like, one of things, that. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. But I would yeah. say, like, why not, you know, on posters, when you walk into theaters, like you have, um, you know, please wear your mask. And then surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Like, yeah. there's stuff that we could be doing that plays with the realities that we're faced with that isn't tone deaf. You know, you need to be very careful to when you're walking that line to not be tacky. Um, but it's also, you know, it, it, I think there's lots and lots of opportunities for us to tackle it in that way from a creative standpoint, but it's really about getting everybody on the same page. And then the flip side of it, and this is the hard part, and, and this is really just, this is out of the hands of everybody in the industry. And this is, you know, hence the letter that they're sending to Congress. But, you know, we have to, 
we need the governing bodies to allow theaters to um, open freely and let the public decide and run their businesses the way that they see fit. We need to have a little bit of trust that each one of these specific ex exhibitors is going to do the right thing. And the thing that's tricky about that and that, that's frustrating about that is there's some hypocrisy throughout the world where they're allowing some industries to do it, but they're not allowing all. And so I understand why, you know, there's frustration about that. But I think yeah. that we can set new parameters, whether it's, you know, you open up LA and New York and only allow them to sell 50% of the tickets or, you know, let each individual theater decide how to do it to keep their, uh, to keep their people safe. And the public is going to decide with their wallets one yeah. way or another. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like too, that um, if we don't kind of jump onto some of these trends or kind of add kind of uh, our piece to the, the trends that are currently happening, some of the stickiness of the industry start to fade away. Um, the consuming of content on different platforms is part of it, the different types of content that people are consuming. Um, I know video games are kind of taking over, getting larger playing times than ever before. Kids staying at home and sitting on Zoom calls all day long and then sit behind another screen and not going out and doing sports, doing other kind of activities. Really all the, the stickiness of what, what people are doing opposed to things that they're giving up, easily kind of giving up in other fields, um, mm -hmm. kind of are changing behaviors. And I think from, from the Hollywood point of view and recognizing the reality of those behaviors and having a role that they're either countering those behaviors or coming alongside the, in, in a smart way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Keith, to your point there, you know, the, the Netflix, Hulu's distribution OTT platform, it, it, Disney Plus platforms, all have kind of... Uh, had a, a certain revolution during this time period too. Like they're, they have a, adopted new ways, changed new ways, and even built up their platforms or launched them during this, this crisis and are seeing some good results. Um, do you think that, they're, that Hollywood is just excited that something's working and is letting go of the kind of the harder fight in the th inside the theaters? Let the theater industry and the exhibitor industry just fall apart. They don't care. They're their filmmakers and they're making the money on the, uh, in a different way. Um, I, I mean, I think, I think there's a sigh of relief <laughs> that in a lot of ways that there is, there is another ancillary revenue stream they can tap. Um, I think Disney Plus obviously is a great example of some, a company that are part of Disney that has done quite well with Hamilton. They did mm -hmm. a decent business with Mulan. They brought in this premier access, which I don't know if that was part of their original strategy with this Disney Plus, but now they have it as an option. So that's another revenue stream. You have, you know, Warner Media has HBO Max. And so I think from a perspective of, uh, you know, whether or not they're cheering it on, I think they're also realizing that their business can't survive just on that alone. I think the idea of going into a theater, I mean, like, I will back Christopher Nolan's view of there's some movies that are meant to be seen in a theater. And a Marvel movie is a perfect example of Star Wars. Those things are meant to be seen on those ginormous screens. And I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but you know, I still remember watching the first five minutes or six minutes of Dark Knight on an IMAX screen. It was jaw-droppingly amazing. You're never gonna get that experience. In, in, no matter how big the TVs get, you're never gonna get that experience in your home. So I think, a sigh of relief maybe because they have another revenue stream, but is that going to be enough? I mean, we just saw yesterday that Disney's laying off 28,000 yeah. workers 
the park. It's yeah. only a matter of time before that starts to hit the bottom line of the studios. They just can't, they can't fight back enough. So I think it's not necessarily a sort of cheering on, but it's sort of like a sigh of relief. But at the same time, they have to recognize that so much of what makes Hollywood Hollywood is that theatrical experience. And, you know, Netflix churns out movies like they're, you know, pennies. And some of them are okay, and some of them are not so okay. Um, you know, and we never know what the data is. They say, oh, this is a great movie. And Enola Holmes just came out and they're saying it's the number one movie in the world. I was like, what does that mean? We don't even know what that means. Yeah, we don't even know what so that means. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, <clears throat> it, it's sort of like, is that where the industry is? No, we need, you know, the theatrical experience is always going to be a part of this world. It's just, they have to figure out a way to sustain it that sort of takes us into this next era. Yeah, you can't, yeah. like, you, you almost can't have Hollywood without man's Chinese theater, right? Yeah. That whole world thing. Sorry, Robin, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. I, I agree. I, look, I think, yes, times are changing. Um, times were changing before COVID, you know, and, and we saw those challenges. Um, I do think that there's, uh, my opinion on it is I think there's always going to be uh, an audience who's going to want to go see a movie in a theater. There are always going to be people who want to go laugh together, who want to go cry together, who want to go get scared together, and who want to see a gigantic, you know, big Christopher Nolan or Steven Spielberg movie on the big screen. And and I think that's evidence, too. Um, and the, the good sign with this is, look how many people are coming back to drive-in theaters, which we thought were dead, right? Yeah. Everybody's going because it's yeah. the only thing they can do outside yeah. of watching their home they want to go back out so i think that's a really good sign that theatrical is is here to stay the the crazy part about theatrical and what's happened over the years and what's happening now is the budgets have gotten so out of control that um it's a lot harder to be successful when you make a movie for over a hundred million dollars when the audience that we've known from the beginning was never going to come for that. Yeah. So that, that's the part too, to say, we need to take a step back. That's why marketing is so important from the very beginning to say, like, who is your audience for this? You know, and I use this example, but like Terminator is an example of like, you look at how much they spent on this most recent Terminator. And it, it, it was fine. It wasn't, I mean, some people would say it's a horrible failure. I don't, I don't <laughs> think it was. A, but my, my point on that is you've got, it was a good movie. And it, the hard part is, you know, when you look at it from the very beginning, why was that movie greenlit when we know that the other three never made over 45, I forget what the number is, $45 million at the box office. None of them ever grossed over that. Even the, though they were James Cameron, gigantic movies, Terminator 2 is still one of the best movies. It still best. stands at time. Oh. It is incredible. Like every time it's on, I watch it. Every yeah. time. And yeah. um, even that movie didn't open, you know, over $50 million. So and I know that time changes and inflation and all of those things, but my point on that is we know who the audience is. We've known yeah. who the audience is and it's changed over time, but like we still know the core of that, that audience. So we probably shouldn't have spent that much money up front knowing that we weren't really ever going to get that back. And that's where you start to look at, and it's hard because it's easier said than done. Right. But the, the yeah. vegetarian restrictions on movies, I think have, um, have changed movie going and made it a lot harder to be successful. I, I feel like the filmmakers or the studios took something that was like a long tail model, right? They would do this theatrical di distribution, then they'd go to cable distribution, then they'd go to 
uh, DVD or VHS distribution. Like, you know, they, they had these long tail playouts. And at first it was a windfall for them. They were making all the money on these back ends and, and, and making the money they need to, they recoup their money in the theaters. It seemed like later on the, the money started shifting and almost requiring all those back end deals to be necessary to finance it, right? Because the actors caught up to those ideas, the directors caught those ideas and so on. Now it feels like the back end is dominating. And all of a sudden, like these dollars that they're putting into it, recouping nothing up front and trying to get it all in the back end, when that fell apart with something like Netflix and all these OTT platforms, and it really is like there's not enough money back there. Like there isn't enough. And then, yeah, it starts tanking. So interesting. I'm going to pivot the the conversation a little bit because I am curious. I, I went to... It's funny you said a Chris Nolan film and a Spielberg film, Robin, because uh, last weekend I went to Tenet, so I saw the Chris Nolan film. Uh, tons of trailers that were kind of, uh, playing in the front of that. Uh, movies I, I can't wait to see if the, if the theaters open to, to show them or they're going to distribute them. And this weekend we're actually hired out the theater. Our local theater allows you to hire it out as a private showing. You can invite up to your 20 of your, uh, your guests for 100 bucks, so $5 a head. That's and you great. can play uh, a, a first run film for like 150 or a, a classic for a hundred bucks. So we're going to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark with, uh, with our family and some close friends or whatever in a theater. Isn't that so fun? I'll yeah. wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, all wearing a mask. Of course we are. Uh, except for when we're eating popcorn and drinking. Yes. And sitting and uh, <laughs> watching. Besides that, we're wearing a mask. Yeah. No, of course, like, they're going to have all the precautions in place. Um, all that to be said, watching these trailers, there are some big movies still coming out. And I feel like there was this moment of like, yeah, but will it really? So the first one is James Bond. It feels like MGM is still thinking they're going to put this thing out there. Are we going to see anything play out for the rest of the year? You're the marketing analysis. I want to hear your thoughts on there. Like, are we going to see this stuff play out or should I just wait till 2021 to get my hopes up? You know, I'm going to I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to MGM in that they know what their finances are and they know how much they've put into it already. Um, They know, you know, they're I I very much give them the benefit of the doubt that they're sitting in rooms calculating what are the risks and rewards if we go now versus moving into next year. And and it's a lot easier when you have a movie that you haven't spent any media on or you haven't done a trailer, you haven't put out. It's very easy to push that into 2021 and just, you know, get rid of any risks from this year. But when you've already spent money the way that they have, like and you're looking at, okay. It looks like the world is starting to open again. It looks like, um, you know, theaters were at, I think, 75% capacity or in terms of our opening, right? Like 75% are open. Like maybe yeah. by the time we release that LA and New York will be open and then we'll be the only movie available for people. Um, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into that. Now, again, I'm looking at it from an audience standpoint and I'm worried because the audience for Bond is typically a lot older. And that audience is also, you know, the people who are probably most scared of getting COVID. And even when you have, like, I don't mean to sound doom and gloom here, and I don't want to have this go doom and gloom, but even when you have a vaccine, like a vaccine available for people, it's, a lot of people are probably going to see it as a clinical trial type of vaccine because it was done so fast. Um, A lot of people, you can't force people to take a vaccine. So yeah. you don't know how many people in your movie theater or at your restaurant or on your airplane or at the grocery store have taken that vaccine and have it, right? Like, and you can go take it and try to protect yourself. 
Um, or we may not even have it by then. I'm just saying like, there's a lot, there's a lot out there that is to consider still. And it's not an easy decision um, for MGM. Um, sure. But I, that, I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt that the reason why they haven't moved it yet is because they're seeing more reward than they are uh, risk, or they're just not ready to pull the trigger on that yet. But, well, um, Keith, Robin sounds a lot like you. She's saying a lot of the same words. You guys almost act like you've known each other for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else would you add to that? Do you have anything else to add to the, uh, that no, thought process? I, mean, I think she's absolutely right. I mean, and to your earlier point about there being, you know, a lot of the studios have been able to survive because they have these OTT platforms they can push their releases to. And um, unfortunately, MGM is, does not have, I mean, they have epics. They could potentially do that, but... Um, that's not necessarily going to have a subscriber base of a Disney Plus or a Peacock. Um, so I think she's absolutely right that they're, I'm sure they're all ensconced in a room right now trying to figure out what is, is, are things moving in our direction? Now, I would say that, you know, the fact that the president has it is going to put a lot of people on ease and it's going to bring it back to the forefront. There's surges happening in some boroughs in New York City. I mean, again, uh, luckily, thankfully, the hospitalizations are down from where we were in March, but it's still there. And I think yeah. that's definitely something that it seems like things are opening up again, but now I think everyone's going to start feeling this unease that it's creeping back up and the weather's getting colder and, you know, everyone's going to be in inside. So I think, I think right now, um, I think MGM is all systems go because to Robin's point, they put a lot of money into it already. Um, they've released their trailers already. They've probably got a media plan in place that would be a really pain in the butt to move. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they probably started buying some time in the next few debates. Um, yeah. because that's going to be the really only thing in TV that people are And they have watches it's to sucks. sell and cars to sell and alcohol yeah, to sell. And they have lots of, yeah. And let's not... And all, and let's, I mean, having worked with promo partners, the lead times that they put in to get things in into stores and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's already under execution. They're already executing all that plan. So to push all that back is going to cost millions. And Especially, so, uh, you know, it's a pre-Christmas pre pre move to get those products oh, yeah, out there cool. and have that branding. There's way too much. Well, I'm glad you guys are saying that because I watching that trailer, I honestly can't wait for that film to come out. It looks super exciting. And, and it's Daniel Craig's last swan song is Bond. So, you know, yeah. you really want to make sure this one goes out on a, on a high note. Yeah, and he is, he is a great bond. Hey, listen, folks, I love you guys, but I, we, we've been here for a half hour and uh, we can wow, talk already? for two more hours, whatever. <laughs> Robin, you have to promise us you're going to come back and be part of our crew. Maybe we're going to just add you on it permanently. I just love the way oh, you guys are thinking about this thing. So. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I love it. It's fun. It's fun to talk business. Um, yep. I love marketing. I love movies. Um, I will root for them till the day I die. I want yeah. them... And, and I will fight to keep them in theaters because I think that's how people, I, I think people are always going to want to enjoy them that way. And so, yeah. you know, I, I love being here. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. And Keith, uh, every week, you know, you, you, you put me up for the challenge and I show up and you uh, blow me away. So thanks. Uh, thanks uh, for being part always of this week. Sam. I love, I, much like Robin, I love talking about it. I love the business and I believe in movies hundred percent. They defined a lot of my childhood and, you know, I still, what's great about having young children is you get to start showing them the same things. And it just reminds you of how much you love going to the movies and, 
you know, I think it'll always be here. We'll get through this time. Um, I think it's just been a matter of sort of how the business is going to evolve from here. But I echo yeah. all Robin's sentiments 100%. Yeah, that's uh, the my my youngest has turned thirteen, thirteen, and I saw Indiana Jones when I turned thirteen. So it's fun to kind of like pass that on theatrical experience, that kind of stuff this weekend. So I'm with you guys. That's why we that's why we signed up and put all hard work into this industry. It's it's yeah. too good to uh, let it fade away. Absolutely. Well, that's it for Hollywood Wakes for this week. Thank you all for uh, watching us, being part of what we're doing. Uh, our thanks to Keith and Robin, all the stuff they contributed, but also uh, Lydia behind the scenes. Thank you for what you do for us and Ethan for putting this thing together and getting out there on the web. Um, we're going to see you next week and hopefully we'll see more Robin in the next few weeks. Um, other friends that Keith has, he's going to drag them on here too. So we're going to start the, the ball rolling and really a turnstile of friends. I think we're going to see yeah. here, um, yeah. but until next week, the, this has been Hollywood breaks. Thanks for joining us. Bye.